you sad that we're not recording outside? No. You managed to get over that. <laughs> but see, the thing is, if we were recording outside, we'd have to record by the pool so that I could throw you in at the end. I say spoilers. <laughs> Welcome to the Butts and Seas podcast, episode number 20. Woo! And you know what that means, Nick. Yes, we have another 10-episode celebratory shot. Yeah, you. Um... We have not tried these in full. I took a little. I took a little sip just to sample, and I'm like, I think this will not be the worst. So. Nick fancies himself a mixologist. All right. Cheers. To ten more episodes. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. It's not bad. What is it? It's just rum chata and screwball. <laughs> That's what it is. I was like, what? rum chata doesn't burn like that. What is that? <laughs> Spicy. So today we are reviewing the March 22nd, 1999, Monday Nitro, our second of the going week by week. I don't want to die yet, but it's close. Yeah, this uh, <laughs> this was a significant drop off from yeah. the week before. Last week was a good one to start off with. This was just, it, it was so hard to care. We watched this in two sittings just because I was just not into it and I wanted to fall asleep. And it was getting late. But this is also the special spring breakout episode, which means it takes place in Panama City, Florida. Panama City Beach. No, it's Panama different City than Beach. Panama City. Panama I learned City this Beach, when I was Florida. down there. Yeah, so. that's pretty much, I mean, it, it's an interesting venue, but like they did nothing super special because it was spring breakout. No, and it was, okay, so the way that the ring was laid out, they found like a, um, I don't know what the name of the venue was, but they found a pool. And they put the ring, they built the ring in the middle of the pool. It was like on a floating sort of island of its own in the middle of the pool. So it was unstable. And you can kind of see it in some shots where it was wavering and sort of wobbling. I thought they'd play with that more and be like, oh, he's unstable. The water is making him off balance. Nothing. Did you know that, I think it was like two years ago, it was some combo of like early AEW and Ring of Honor did a boat on, on like Jericho's wrestling cruise. Okay, so funny you mentioned that. I'm pretty sure that's the first thing of AEW I ever stumbled upon was them on the boat because in the, at that moment, I don't even moment, know if that's. I don't even remember. It was I don't like even a year or so ago. AEW. It was like a year or so ago, and I know that Jericho was wrestling because I stumbled upon it, and I thought that that's what AEW was. They traveled Every around the country on a, boat. on a cruise ship and just did wrestling shows because I had no idea. But yeah, I remember that. I don't, did they play up the uh, wobbliness of the boat? I don't know if they did anything with the wobbliness. I would imagine they did something or some fun spot or somebody like getting seasick or something. But I know the first one was apparently Ring of Honor. And then the, there was one that either did or was supposed to happen in 2020. Mm. That was AEW. And then this year's one will also be AEW. But yeah, this is not on a boat. This is just So in... the one that I watched in 2018 was Ring of Honor? Yep. But it was great. It was Jericho. Yeah, it what? was when AEW was kind of starting up. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a fun concept. Except, I think people pointed out how smelly that cruise probably oh, was. Oh, for sure. Put a whole bunch of wrestling... I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> I know. Put a whole bunch of wrestling fans on a boat together. Like, put regular people on a boat together. That boat smells. Wrestling fans? Y'all, I love you, but I've been to Comic-Con. I imagine this is just a more confined Comic-Con. Comic-Con had to actually... Send out a notice or an, like an email on day two of the con, being like, "Hey guys, do you know deodorant? Wear it." So back to the nitro, <laughs> other than Comic Con twenty whatever twenty seventeen. <laughs> so yeah, it takes place 
at the Redneck Riviera. Is, is it actually they, called the Redneck Riviera? It's, it's probably been nicknamed that. Oh, I okay. forget what the uh, full name of the place is. The show is also taking place opposite the Go Home Raw for WrestleMania 15, which we did watch the opening of because I wanted to just give Emily a reminder of like, yeah, that was the Beer Bash episode and this is what Nitro put opposite it. I just don't understand Nitro. I, that that can just summarize the, this entire podcast. I don't understand Nitro. The show did surprise me when it started, though. Nitro or... Nitro. Rest, oh. Opens with a video package. Yes, there were a lot of video packages. I know. They, I guess they hired someone for their video <laughs> department, and it's like, you know how to edit? What? I'm sorry, you can cut two clips together? So it was a video recap package of the previous week and kind of the main event. I did get annoyed that it cut off at the exact same place the main event did. I was kind of hoping to see, like, okay, what happened after? Because they, like, immediately ran out of time after right. the Goldberg Spear. They never answered that. We will never know because we weren't there. So we talked a little bit about the venue and we see it for the first time here. So there's the ring and then there's, you know, the outside area that they usually, the barricade separates the crowd from mm-hmm. that kind of outside space with, with the mats. Uh, here, that that barricade is still up, but on the outside of that, on most of it, is water. Yeah. And I think in one side, there's concrete, and I don't, they didn't do anything with that, luckily. They didn't do anything with anything. <laughs> yeah. The entrance ramp mm-hmm. is just like a little walkway. It's about three feet wide. Yeah, it was teeny tiny. And yeah, I, I don't think guys. you're able to cross. Like, like, it's one person at a time. That is one way. Yeah. There was no way that they were doing any kind of, like, Royal Rumble or something like that in there. Where people were entering while people were being kicked out. Yeah, no. I equate it to, like, if you're going on, I don't know, like, a boozy pirate cruise or something. Or just, like, a ship in general. That, like, drawbridge that you have to put to, like, get passengers on and off of the boat. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, that wide. So, for some reason, after we kind of see the place, we get video footage recapping the end of the Ravens Rules triple threat match at Uncensored. Which I kind of forgot happened. And I did a little uh, digging on our girl Chastity. Oh, did you? Yes, apparently she used to be in ECW. I had no idea. Okay. And she got a nice little contract offer to come to WCW, much like I think everyone in ECW did. Yeah. And she was part of Raven's Nest. Sorry, every every company had a different name for Raven's group. It's yeah, hard to keep the Raven's trying. Nest was the ECW thing. Yeah, so she was apparently part of that at one point, and yeah, she's now being paired up with Hack. Who is... The Sandman. The Sandman, yes. It's like, I know... I started actually calling him Hack in my notes this time, to the point where I forgot that he was Sandman. I don't know why we showed that there, as opposed to at a more appropriate point, but... Yeah. The first match of the night is it's a doozy. Is it? It is Bull Payne versus Van Hammer. Who the fuck is Bull Payne? I don't know. <laughs> I tried to find anything on him and there is very little because do you know how old this man is? I'm going to guess mid-30s. Yeah, no one knows. Oh, for real? There is no information on the internet about how old this man is. What? <laughs> how? Also, his name sometimes changes spelling because I think they had it as P-A-Y-N-E, but... When you look them up, it's P-A-I-N. Oh. They just do that sometimes, where, well, you have somebody later who has an L in front of their name and then doesn't like the rest of their career, so Fair. it's all strange. But yeah, Bull Payne versus Van Hammer, we're starting off hot. Yeah, and the boring chants start almost immediately. 
I wrote, it's simultaneously not fair and incredibly fair. <laughs> it's like, give him a chance, but, you know, we like we know it's going to get there. Just wait for it. Yeah. On commentary, they try to put over how cold the pool is. Yeah, they had nothing to say about the match, but everything to say about like, how oh, chilly they were. You know, if you, you get th- thrown in that pool, it's going to, like, shock your system. Which we have experience of over the weekend. <laughs> yes. So I don't, I don't have a lot of notes for a lot of this show. Bullpain almost wins with a frog splash, but Van Hammer ends up winning with a modified Alabama slam. It just seemed kind of boring the way he won. It was just like, and eh, I win. Yeah. There, there was no like pizzazz to it. It was just, like really simple. I guess it would be chain wrestling is the term. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Chain wrestling is usually more technical. This was kind of oh, okay. just nothing. Just like I guess just I don't know, time. like standard grappling. I don't, I don't know the term for it. Where you're just like kind of going through the motions, not really doing anything special or individual. Just like, phoning it in. I just think of it as like this is a match that you do when you're training, or like to warm up. Yeah. There was nothing to it. So Van Hammer wins. Um, they're talking about how big a win it was for him, and I'm like, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have in a in a vacuum. I wouldn't have put money on Van Hammer winning on Nitro. No, but... If I knew who he was facing, I would, but, you know. <laughs> but like you said, in a vacuum. Yeah, if you just turned on Nitro and said, will Van Hammer win a match tonight? I'd go, no. No. So I looked up Bullpain's kind of record in WCW, because I'm like, do we ever even see him again? I think we do, but he will never win a match in WCW. He will go 0-19 and, and then leave the company. Oh my god, really? Yep. And he doesn't go into anything else? Not really. Wow. You know, surprise some indie stuff. What what a career. Yeah. That's just kind of sad. Like, what do you have to show for your career? I lost 19 times. I don't think that's your career at that point. I don't know. It's like, it's basically a summer job. <laughs> On commentary, they recap Rey Mysterio winning the Cruiserweight title and actually put the match over. So, you know, like, oh, that was perhaps their best match to date. And I'm like, no, it wasn't, but. No, I mean, it was good. As any Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman matches, it was good. Like, I enjoyed it. I don't think it was their best. We then get Ricky Rackman interviewing Rey Mysterio, who doesn't have his fucking belt with him. I could not remember the name of Ricky Rackman, so I just called him Frosted Tips. Michael Cole. Even Michael Cole wasn't, like, I guess not this early, but, or maybe, I don't remember. Yeah, you know, around this time, Cole has the Frosted Tips. Okay, well, this is the WCW Michael Cole, then. WCW Frosted Tips. As much as I have an up and down relationship with Michael Cole, don't compare Ricky Rackman to Michael Cole. I've never heard Michael Cole go, I don't know much about wrestling. Oh my god, he did. He said that like straight up in this episode. I'm like, why would you say that? We'll get to that segment. Ray cuts a bland babyface promo. He offers Kidman a rematch. And I think Ricky Rackman is like, why would you do that? Like, you know, he's probably watched a lot of your stuff. And I'm like, dude, they've had like 10 matches. That's all they do is wrestle each other. Yeah. But so that match will be at Spring Stampede. Which you did kind of call. Kind of. Yeah, I think I accidentally was like, I don't know what you do with Ray besides this. Yeah, because it was in the Uncensored episode and we were like, yeah, he's done with this story of like being mad at the NWO for unmasking him, I think was his story. It wasn't the NWO, it was just Nash. Just just Nash, okay. And in the Uncensored episode that we did, it was just like, I guess it's done. Maybe they'll have him come back against Kidman or something, but I think he's done. And you were right. <laughs> He came back against Kidman. Plowing ahead, we get a Cineburst gum ad, which you were trying to look up when that stopped being made and didn't I really couldn't find, find much. I anything. I just kept finding, like, nostalgia posts being like, 
things that were cool in the 90s but have been discontinued. And Cineburst was on every list, but every list was like, hey, remember Cineburst gum? Okay, cool, bye. Like, that was it. It didn't give you any dates of, like, established or like, no, it, it's, discontinued. It's the equivalent of when you're on Twitter and you see something trending, and then when you click on it, every single tweet you see is, why is this trending? Yes, I hate that. So, yeah, this was part of the spring breakout kind of promotion they were doing. Did you hear how much the big winner won? No. $1,000. I guess that's a lot to a college student. I, mean, I know, but in just like, like that's a lot. Yeah, I know, but I it's like, like oh, this contest winner won a thousand dollars. I'd like someone to hand me a thousand dollars. I'm waiting on that in a tax return. It's like I, I shouldn't be able to get more back in taxes than than your prize money. I guess, yeah. And don't call them the big winner then, because what did the small winners get? Pack of gum. A pat on the back. Thanks for being here. We then get Ricky Rackman again interviewing Disco Inferno. Man, they are really trying to phase out Mean Gene, I've kind of noticed, because... Yeah, he's not really in this much. Well, he, he's actually in it more t- this week than he was last week, oh, but you got Mike Tanay plugging the hotline more than Gene, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, why would you replace Gene with Ricky Rackman, though? I don't know, but he's interviewing the Disco Inferno. Basically, Disco just kind of insults the town. He says he, like, saw a wet t-shirt contest and the girl weighed more than he does. Yeah, he's just basically calling out fat girls. I'm like, dude, what? And then Ricky tries to, like, roast him a bit. And it doesn't really go over. No. And that's that's that segment. Yeah, like, Disco went from being, like, really likable, like, I don't know, face. L- likable? Like, he, he started he, out likable. He's been a heel the entire time. I liked podcast. him when it started. Like, I liked his character. He was fun. He was kind of naive. Even when he joined the NWO, remember when he had to, like, go out and slap whoever it was. Was it Goldberg? Yes. He had to go out and slap Goldberg. And, the, and then the NWO would come up and, bu- and back him up. And he was just so excited. He was so naive. And, like, I kind of... That was charming to me. But now he's just an asshole. And I guess that Conan build from last week, just... No, that's over. I guess. Although, then again, Buff Bagwell doesn't appear on this show at all that's either. Okay. And it's like, well, clearly they're setting up a feud with him and Steiner. And it's like, man, they, they kicked him out of the NWO. What does he do next week? Nothing. Nothing. And yet we still have Horace and Vincent. We'll get there. Well, speaking of the Steiner and Buff breakup, we get a video package of that. So many video packages. I did note that they bleep the word suck. Oh, yeah. As in, like, you and your fans suck. Yeah. Which was strange. We then get a really weird, I don't want to call it segment, just like 30 second clip of Fit Finley going to Rick Steiner's house, just making sure. Just like he's checking gonna, on him. Making sure he's going to, like, be there for the show because they have a match. Which was weird. Yeah. Was it his house? I thought it was like his dressing room backstage. No, no, no. It, it was some. I don't know. If it was his house? Or like his friend's house? Was it, it his Shonies? It was not his Shonies. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the fuck the point of that was. Besides killing ninety seconds. Maybe that. But yeah, they have a match later. We'll see that, and then we get a clip recap of the main event. Not quite a video package. This is like uninterrupted kind of clips. Yeah. No, no music under it. Of the main event setup from last week, and then the actual main event. And once again, we don't see anything new. It just cuts off in the same spot. We then get Ricky Rackman again. He sets up a clip and narrates Goldberg at a NASCAR race. This was kind of weird, because like, it should have just been a video package. But for some reason, Ricky Rackman was like live in the arena doing live voiceover for it. I think I might have missed this bit. I don't remember him being in a NASCAR thing. Yeah, it was just some pre recorded thing. I, I totally missed what race it was. I don't think it was yeah. Daytona. Oh, okay. 
I think they would have made a bigger deal if Goldberg was at the Daytona 500 race. I think, yeah, he, like, started the race or something, and it was just, like, a general, like, kind of, like, press event, and, like, yeah. here's him interacting with people. I must have blacked out. But while Ricky is narrating, Hack comes out and interrupts while he's being covered in barbed wire. He now wants to be called Hardcore Hack, and <laughs> apparently he's facing Goldberg later tonight. Which is just strange, because Hack is very much hardcore, and Goldberg is very much not hardcore. Like, you'd be hard-pressed to find Goldberg, like, pulling a trash can from under the ring and bashing it over someone's head. Like, that's what that wouldn't happen, in my head, at least. Hack says, you know, I'll show you hardcore, and then smashes himself over the head with a kendo stick. Busts himself open a little bit. Emily's you know, favorite spot. Do. Yeah, it's... Ugh. I figured this match could be interesting. I mean, obviously, Goldberg's going to kill him, but I'm like... <laughs> You know, they've set up that Goldberg isn't a hardcore wrestler, so I'm like, okay, you could kind of do something of Hack getting the upper hand with, like, weapons. Yeah. If you that, really want to give him something. But I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't like him hitting himself with the kendo stick. After that, we get we get 60 seconds with Goldberg, which goes which is for... not 60 seconds. Which goes for 87 seconds. Yes, we counted. <laughs> and it's just clips of him killing dudes during his streak. Yeah, it was like a best of Goldberg. I feel like we're like almost an hour into the show at this point. Well, this is the first hour of the show where Nitro doesn't give a shit about the content that they're putting out because they're unopposed. So, yeah. Oh, actually, we know. We, we, we actually have a note for where the second hour of the show starts oh, because that's the intro we is. have not hit the Nitro opening yet, guys. <laughs> Our second match of the night. Get ready for a fucking mouthful. El Dandy, La Cucaracha, Psychosis... And Silver King versus Damien, Laparca, Lismark Jr., and Super Callow. Good for you for writing down all the names. When I said it was an eight-man tag, I was like, ah, I'm not going to even try to keep track of who's who. Well, you know who also didn't write down the names? Fucking production, because they didn't give, like, a title card for any of these guys. Oh, you're there right. There was no nameplate thing. I had to, like, look it up, and I'm like, oh, shit. Like, commentary said it, kind of, in passing. Well, but you're right, there was no title card. They also didn't know who La Cucaracha was. Which, unfortunately, in trying to find the, the you know, names of everybody, I got spoiled for me who Luca Garage is. So I know Emily does not. Yeah. yeah. He comes out wearing a mill mascaras mask and then a, like a long flannel and long pants. And commentary just buries mill, mill mascaras a little bit. Larry notes, well, he's not sucking in his gut, gut so it can't be mill. <laughs> mill mascaras is a apparently shoot dickhead. Oh, really? Okay. I have no idea who he is famous Mexican wrestler who just never wanted to lose. He appeared in a Royal Rumble and he had to orchestrate a spot where he dove to the outside and eliminated himself because he didn't want to get eliminated by anybody. You showed me this. I have seen that. So I wouldn't say this is slow, but it's a lot slower than a lot of the Cruiserweight stuff we've seen, I feel like. Yeah, it's weirdly slow, especially for the amount of people in the ring. Like this should be bop, 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 back and forth. But it's kind of just like... One guy hits, and then another guy hits, and they tag in. Yeah, like I kind of thought a fair comparison to this was the Michinoku Pro six-man tag from ECW. But that was good. That well, was yeah, really That quick. was good, and that was really quick. This move was at a much, much slower pace. Yeah. Because the Michinoku Pro match was, I think we both agreed it was like a touch too long of a match. Yeah. But the pace of it was very quick and very energetic, and this did not have that. 
we do get a couple interesting spots of people doing like dives to the outside and really trying hard to not land in the pool. <laughs> like it's very abrupt suicide dives like hit you and it's like no go straight down. Yeah. Do, do not let me sail into the pool. Although one of them I think almost accidentally knocks Laparka in because he he takes the dive oh, and he kind of yeah. stumbles back and it's like oh shit he almost kind of so the amount of people in the ring and on the side, I'm shocked. None of them fell into the water. I was shocked. I thought that this would be the match that someone would like accidentally fall in. I also thought there'd be a lot more play with the pool than there was. But So in sequence, everyone misses a top rope oh my God. diving move to the, you know, the inside of the ring. Except for two people. La Cucaracha, who doesn't even attempt any of the moves. And Psychosis, who I think was supposed to do a move. But ended up crotching himself on the top rope. It, it looked accidental, but it was like, shit, we're in the finishing sequence. We can't redo this. So, because whoever dove after him had to like, kind of dive at him. And it was like a really mm. awkward, long kind of dive. And I went, I think you fucked up there, bud. So, okay. For La Cucaracha, the person that it ends up being, do I know them? Yes. Have they been in WCW already? You should actually technically know who it is by their finisher if you were paying close attention. Which is kind of a weird thing that it's like, oh, we're trying to have this be a twist. But also, if you pay attention, you I should, should know. know who it is. I'm guessing it's someone in the NWO. It has to be. La Cucaracha, like, it has to be. Yeah, That's... It's, it's definitely a white guy. It, it's not Scott Hall, is it? I think you're aiming a little too high, but we'll, we'll see it eventually. But La Cucaracha hits stunners on everybody, including El Dandy, who's on his team. And gets the win. Woo! Go Cucaracha! This was a... Eh, I had yeah. nothing to say about this match. It's nothing special. Meh. The issue is, it doesn't feel like they're doing anything with any of these guys except for the one that doesn't belong. They did... Psychosis had a push for a minute. Yeah, for like a single pay-per-view. Yeah. And listen, a lot of these guys are talented. It's just, they're not doing anything with them. Yeah, that's a lot of the problem with a lot of WCW talent. Yeah, would you believe Kevin Nash isn't pushing the cruiserweight division? What? We then get a 1-800-collect spring breakout ad, just kind of more of the same with bikini-clad babes. <laughs> babes. We then get the Nitro <laughs> opening, and we are officially in hour number two. We've been recording for, what, half an hour? Thereabouts. Then that's all we had to say about the first hour. Yep. We then get an interesting segment of... It's J.J. Dillon and Ric Flair, like, somewhere in Panama City Beach... Just having a chat. Yeah, they're just like talking about the beach. Well, Ric Flair wants to do a like lottery kind of drawing, like something of like a open challenge kind of thing. But whoever's number we draw will get the title shot. Yeah. But he's on camera with JJ Dillon and basically tells him to like fix it. So we definitely pick a cruiserweight. Yeah. So he definitely he wanted to fight somebody that was. Mid Carter lower. Yeah, he wanted an easy small. Night. Yeah, he wanted an easy win. I asked the question. Like, Wait, so why are we seeing this? Because this seems to be a secret conversation. <laughs> because Ric Flair will come out and announce that they're doing the lottery kind yeah. of thing. So I'm like, why are we seeing this? Speaking of why are we seeing this, we then get a Mike Tanay pre-tape interview with Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes, Should which I? was a lot for me. <laughs> I would play it here, but it's so long and rambly, I think oh. we lose everybody. Yes, absolutely. So I have never, I've heard a lot about Dusty Rhodes, and I just recently, in, you know, personal time, I listened to the How To Wrestling podcasts, How To Dusty Rhodes, that just came out recently. 
And that was the most that I had ever heard about Dusty Rhodes. Like, I knew about him. I know that he is the father of Gold Dust and Cody Rhodes. But I don't know much about him as a person. All I knew was Kevin Mann's impression of Dusty Rhodes from the How To Dusty Rhodes episode. He does a great impression. (laughs) You've actually seen Dusty Rhodes on WCW television before. God, have I? He showed up on the last Nitro of 1998 to help out Ric Flair beat Eric Bischoff for control of WCW. Yo, we haven't seen Eric Bischoff in a minute. Yeah. But I don't remember that. I'm sorry. I forget if this is when Bischoff just goes on vacation with his daughter to, like, Europe for a couple weeks. I don't miss him. So Dusty just kind of rambles. He mentions that he should have been commissioner or a commentator again. And how there was some sort of uh, issue with him and Ric Flair. Can you imagine Dusty Rhodes as a commentary? He, As a commentator? He did commentary. Oof. There's a lot of great sound bites of him. Oof. But uh, he asked Ric Flair if he has cross with him. Yeah, I've never actually heard anybody say the phrase, are you cross with me? My favorite part of this interview, though, Mike Tanay asks Dusty Rhodes, what's your opinion of Ric Flair as the president of WCW? My opinion is that Ric Flair is the president. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, he also, he, he does uh, bury Larry Zabisco a little bit. And when they come back from it, Larry's fucking hot under the collar. Yeah. He's like, you know, he fucking, this guy fucking sucks. No wonder he's not a commentator here anymore. And Mike Tanay in his notes, you know, he never answered my question. <laughs> You're right. I'm still waiting on an answer to that question. But yeah, they, they jab Larry about it. I think Larry is a little bit pissed. Like, he didn't know that was part of that. Mm-mm. He's like for real pissed too. I'm like, but relax. But I bet this goes nowhere. Oh, God, no. I think that they just had Dusty Rhodes for a day and were like, hey, you want to do an interview? This could be fun. That's it. But we then get Mean Gene looking real old doing an interview with Ric Flair in the ring. Yeah, for whatever reason, the lights that they did on the on the pool ring were just not kind to Mean Gene or really Ric Flair. Yeah, it was made him look leathery. Great. Yeah, because it was outside, so I think they had to mm-hmm. cake it with a little bit more light. And whatever they did differently for this venue, it did not do any favors to the older gentleman. I'm also wondering if they didn't factor in the reflection from the pool. So we don't quite get it, but we do get a. Yeah, it was kind of strange. It wasn't really a mean woo by Gajin. Yeah, the only thing stranger than that was Raven being the one to interrupt and come out. That was so bizarre. He apparently wants a world title shot. Yeah, I don't think we're I don't think we're playing this up enough. So Ric Flair is talking to Mean Gene, <laughs> doing his Ric Flair thing, and then from the ramp comes Raven of all the people to interrupt Ric Flair. Raven. And, like, I think, I don't know if he was, like, for real shoot annoyed or, like, it was part of the thing. But, yeah, Raven asks for a shot at the world title. And Ric Flair is like, no, but I'll give you a shot at the uh, tag team titles. Oh, you don't have a tag team? Sucks. It's actually somewhat nice what he's doing. Because he's like, I'll give you a shot at the world tag team champions. Kind of thing. But even Raven's like, that's not what I wanted, but okay. Yeah, because he books Raven and Canyon versus Benoit and Malenko. And Raven's like, yeah, Canyon's not here. He's filming a Jesse Ventura movie. <laughs> Fucking name dropper. Ric Flair's like, 
well, be careful what you ask for. You still have to do the match. And then Mean Gene's like, that sounds fair to me. (laughs) How? (laughs) Fucking Gene with the heel turn. Yeah, nobody points out that it's like, yeah, it's a two-on-one. It's a handicap match. It's not really fair. Because they keep calling it a tag team match. Yeah. Although, I guess there's a reason for that, but... We'll get there. But Flair then mentions the, you know, the lottery, the random drawing, whatever you want to call it. And the crowd is chanting for Goldberg. It's like, well, no. It ain't gonna be Goldberg. So then the segment just kind of ends. And when we come back... It's going to be Fit Finley versus Rick Steiner. Q, welcome to the Rainforest Cafe. This is a very uh, physical match, which tells you what you need to know about it. Yeah, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't memorable. I don't really have a lot to say about it. It was it was fine. Yeah, commentary. My main note on this is that commentary tells us that on Thunder, Ric Flair stripped Scott Hall of the U.S. title. Yeah. And it's like, there's a, there's now a tournament to crown a new champion. So Mang advanced on Thunder, and then we have Jericho versus Scott Steiner later in the night. And if you missed this, they later do a recap of the actual clip from Thunder. Oh, and Rick Steiner wins with uh, after hitting a DDT and then a Steiner Bulldog. Oh, oh. This wasn't a bad match, but I'm literally going to forget about it tomorrow. I've already forgotten about it. Considering we had, we had nothing additional to say about this. No, like I said, it was fine, but it wasn't memorable. Yeah, and just once again, it's like, man, you really have nothing for Rick Steiner. No. We then get the Nitro Girls for the first time. I'm amazed they were not in the first hour. I'm not. <laughs> the Nitro Girls don't really seem to be... They, they are time... I guess, okay, I guess in that sense, sure, they should have been in the first hour. They are time filler. But they're also eye candy and oogles, and they want the most people to be watching it. And I guess they think that most people will be watching the second hour. Yeah, but you're telling me if they recycled material, you would notice? (laughs) No. They probably have. I have no idea. You're right. They probably have. Bobby Heenan is now here as well. We get an interesting match. Not quite a debut, but our first time seeing one of these guys. It is El Vampiro versus Juventud Guerrera. Who also got a slight push and has kind of fallen off. Mm. Movitude hasn't really done much lately. So this is Vampiro's third WCW match. I don't know when he loses the L, but it's very shortly after this point. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just Vampiro. Okay. He's kind of hunky. He has a very bland look here compared to what I know he ends up with. Oh, okay. I kind of like it. But this is his third WCW match. His first one was June of 1998. And then his second match was the Thunder right before this Nitro. Wow, I wonder what happened. I don't know. He does look a bit plain here, and this man loves to hit powerbombs. Yes, he does. His first one is a nice powerbomb out of the corner with, like, who'll be doing, like, a 10-punch spot kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The Undertaker last ride post-2010 spot, where he's like, I I can't do that rotation to anybody besides Rey Mysterio. Vampiro tosses Hoovy around a bit, including a running power bomb. Hoovy hits a springboard splash to the outside, and Vampiro kind of stalls as they go to commercial. Kind of like he was told, we've gone to commercial about 30 seconds before they yeah. actually did. Yeah. You do get the boring chance again in this one, too. I disagreed with that I, at this yeah, time. This was a lot more fun than the first match. I was enjoying this one a lot more, and I don't think this one deserved the boring chance. No. It's interesting, this match, in that commentary actually notes it's like, yeah, Hoobie's getting tossed around, but this is not a one-sided match. Like, no. He is getting a couple of like, good licks in when he, you know, when he starts it. Yeah. 
They both looked good in this match. Like, I really didn't hate this. We then get a spinning power bomb from Vampiro, who sets up for a spinning sw- like swanton kind of move and misses. There were so many missed hits tonight. Like, between the eight-man tag and this, it's like, can we just have some hits land? <laughs> we then get a very scary gut-wrench top rope suplex, where they try to do it, like, too quick. And I credit to Hoovy for being able to actually mm. flip around in time, because... He did not have the initial rotation on that. It looked a little scary. You definitely have more of a radar of what is almost bad. Because I didn't see anything bad in this one. Vampiro, I think, attempts powerbomb number six. <laughs> or at least attempt number six. I think I don't know if he hit all of them. But uh, it gets countered and Hoovy wins with a Hoovy driver. Hoovy driver. Yeah, this really wasn't a bad match. Yeah, I, this, I liked it. I, I enjoyed this match quite a bit. Although I was surprised that Hoovy won. He debuted Vampiro in his first Nitro. He loses. Eh, I don't think they really care about that. Fair. I just thought, I'm like, oh, this is, you know, obviously Vampiro's going to win this match. And then he didn't. I'm like, oh, okay. That's an interesting. Because I don't know if they really have any plans for Hoovy either. So. Yeah. I feel like his story is kind of halted until Eddie Guerrero comes back. Yeah. I don't know when Eddie comes back, but I'm also trying to avoid spoiling it for myself. Fair. And he had like a pretty bad injury, so it could be a while. (laughs) I feel like bad injury implies happened in the ring. It wasn't like a horrible car accident. It was a bad injury. <laughs> so we get some more Ricky Rackman. Aren't you excited? Frosted tips. He's he's doing the Miss Nitro competition. So yeah. Well, first of all, this is where he admits I don't know much about wrestling, but I know that Panama City has some fine women. Ugh. They kind of pitch it as like this is going to be the finals, but then they're like, "Yep, this is Miss Nitro." Yeah, they 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 didn't show any footage of the actual competition. Which did you like me think that this was like a new Nitro girl? I didn't know what it was. I just thought they were yeah, like, I, like a hot girl from a lineup. I thought they were doing, hey, we're doing a contest to like find the next Nitro girl. That would have made more sense. Yeah. So I did not look up the winner, but her name is Julie Williams. <laughs> she's cute. I yeah. mean, she's cute as a button. <laughs> Yeah, there's not really much on her anywhere. I think everything that you find is, yeah, she was on this. So I'm guessing it was an actual contest winner. I guess, yeah. I don't know what the contest was. I don't know but either. But of course, Hogan and Nash ruin it. Yeah, well, Julie is wearing, you know, jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. Nothing well. crazy. So Ricky then goes to like show her off and interview her and is like, wave hi to those at home and goes to the wrong side. Yeah. And it's like turned around and it's like... Go there. And I think Tony and Comet are like, yeah, there's the camera. <laughs> so then Hogan and Nash come out with a parade of women in bikinis. <sighs> which, can we just make a brief mention of last episode we mentioned we were watching some 2011 Raws. Yes. And who has showed up on those Raws but Kevin Nash? Oh, my God. Yeah. So we're like doing kind of a best of sort of, I, I, not even necessarily. We're skim watching. We're skim watching and we're mostly looking at um, CM Punk's kind of run through the company at this time. And Nick starts telling me about this match that's going to happen at, what is it, um, Summer, SummerSlam? Well, the upcoming one is Night of Champions, Night of but Ch- before that was SummerSlam. So Nick's telling me about this match and he's like, oh, well, CM Punk has a match, but there's another person in the match too. And I'm like, okay. I didn't think anything of it. And then we were watching this episode... Fucking Kevin Nash comes down from the audience and just obliterates CM Punk. I'm like, why would you show this to me? And then, 
And then he comes out for a couple of weeks on Raw and doesn't have any music. And then he comes out and does have music. And what music does he have, Emily? <laughs> I want it to die. I do love CM Punk ripping into him, though. That's yes. pretty fun. That's very cathartic for me. The click is the noise the the audience's <laughs> remotes make when Kevin Nash is on screen. And uh, then it's also the noise your knees make every time you walk. Oh, man. But, yeah, we get no CM Punk tonight. We get Kevin Nash only. and Hulk Hogan, who I'm not even sure Hogan ever, like, grabs the mic. No, he's just there to ogle some boobs. I noted something very important in here, and we'll come back to it around the end. They were looking for the NWO's Miss Spring Break. Yes. That'll be important. So the way they're going to do it is just the hand over the head survey style kind of thing. Yeah. And they audience get, cheers. Yeah. And they get two or three in and they go, wait, weren't there eight women? And they count there's seven. They're like, all right, bring out the eighth contestant. And it's Tori Wilson. Gee, who would you think wins? Tori Wilson wearing just like a, like, like a long kind of white dress. And I'm like, yeah, Tori's going to win. They're like, oh, you need to be in a bikini. So she like takes off a dress and is wearing a very lovely bikini. <laughs> Shut up. I mean, no shame to Tori Wilson. Like, if I looked like her, I'd be wearing a bikini every damn day of my life. But I just see her. I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> Nothing against her. Ricky Rackman then grabs the mic and is like, no, but we were doing Miss Nitro. And it's just kind of generally awkward. And then Kevin Nash makes him pick Miss NWO, which won. Ricky is like, oh, I don't want to do it. So Kevin Nash threatens to power bomb him. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, whatever you say. And it's like her. It's like, okay, Tori wins. But I kind of glossed over it there. He tells Ricky to pick a Miss NWO. There's only been one other Miss NWO contest, to my knowledge. With, oh, my God. With the Grain Inspector. <laughs> Sorry, the Grain Inspectors. I forgot that they were Miss NWO. The grain inspector. So now Tori Wilson is a grain inspector. Right? Apparently. <laughs> Winner must become a grain <laughs> inspector. I still want to know what the fuck a grain inspector does. I don't know. However, this one ended logically with the hot girl winning. Oh, yeah. David Flair came out with Tori, by the way. Oh, well, yeah. But, uh, well, I don't know what the point of this was, but this was at least shorter and made a little more logical sense than the one it sold out in 97. Where it just ends with Eric Bischoff making out with a middle-aged woman, oh, yeah. who then sits on a toilet seat. I don't remember that part. Yeah, that was that was the the big throne. It was a toilet seat. I don't remember that. That's okay though. I don't need to remember that. I was having a good time realizing that Eric Bischoff is not here. So after Tori wins, Nash gets on the mic and says, "Sable, eat your heart out," because. I think literally that week, Sable's Playboy issue came out. Oh, really? And do you want to hear a sad, funny, I don't even know how to describe it. Do you want to hear a thing? A thing, that works. About Sable, Tori, and Playboy? Okay. In 2003, I want to say, they posed together in Playboy. Oh. Yeah. It's just a weird coincidence. I don't know. Because WWE had an agreement where they pretty much had one person each year appear for Playboy. I'm looking it up. Pervert. This is research. Gotcha. Now now I can use that excuse. I didn't say that. Yep, that's... That's boobies. Them titties. I think both of them appeared, like, well, obviously... Uh-huh. I obviously, saw a lot of boobies just now. I'm done. I'm good. Well, obviously Sable appeared twice. I don't know if Tori appeared twice or Why what. Why did I look that up? I keep forgetting that Playboy is full nude. I always think it's just, like, skimpy pictures. Why did I look that up? Listen, it's not Hustler style. 
shouldn't have looked that up. Do you know what Hustler style is, Emily? I don't want to know. Let's keep this as family friendly as we can. And then Hogan and Ash are like, oh my god, did you really say that? It's like, I think I did. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) boo-boo. And then they just like weirdly hold on it for a while before they go to commercial. Yeah. And do you remember last week when Nash and Hogan wanted title shots? Yes. That didn't matter. Because boobies. Yeah. Who needs gold when you got boobies? Anyway, let's move on to a match. We have Hack with Chastity versus Goldberg. Goldberg comes out, but he gets attacked on the apron by Hack. And basically, I knew the enjoyability of this match was going to be based on whether or not it was a hardcore match or not. And Emily, was this a hardcore match? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know either. Because... I mean, he used the cane. And a chair. But it wasn't... But only Hack used that. Yeah. I really wanted to see Goldberg spear Hack into the pool, but that didn't happen. No. I was really sad about that. So, yeah, Goldberg gets bulldogged onto a chair at one point, and then Hack starts hitting him with the kendo stick, and Goldberg just no-sells it. Oh, yeah. Like, he literally is just pissing him off. He hits the spear... It's Jackhammer. Goldberg wins. Goldberg does not do long matches, and I appreciate that man for that. Yeah. This was enjoyable enough for what it was. For what it was, yeah. I feel like they could have done a little bit more of, you know, him getting the, the advantage with weapons, but maybe Goldberg just doesn't want to take the weapon shots. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. But I'm just like, oh, okay. It was a little, little disappointing that they didn't do more with it. It could have been fun. It could have been. And it was, like, ever so slightly too short. But like I like a short match. Well, yeah, a lot of a lot of short nothing matches. Then we then we get an interview, Mean Gene interviewing Bret Hart. We haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, when was the last time we saw Bret Hart in the ring? Not in an interview, but in the ring. Probably losing to Roddy Piper for the U.S. title. That was a while ago. Yeah, right before Super Brawl. What's he doing? Just like he's a little banged up. Oh, okay. And I think he still is a bit. Gene notes that Bret is discontented with how he's being used. Which I'm like is that a word? I think Apple didn't Fair. ping me for it being a, not a word when I typed it out. So Brett notes that he's been here over a year and hasn't gotten a single world title match, which is wild. And he like notes after that is like came here to earn a reputation, not lose it. Yeah, like, and I guess he kind of is. Yeah, no, that's some real life frustration there. Of... Yeah. So then Gene just starts like throwing out ideas, like, "Oh, what if you face this guy?" <laughs> Starting with Hogan. Which is a match that's never happened at this point. Does it happen in the future? I honestly don't know. I imagine so at some point, but I don't know. I'd watch that. The only time it was supposed to happen, Hogan decided, I don't want to work with you. You're too small. Uh, What? Yep. (laughs) Bret Hart is too small? Yep. Like in reputation or in stature? Both. What? You're not my league, brother. Fuck off. And that was after they did the whole bullshit. He comes down, wins the title in about nine seconds. Ugh. After Brett loses it. Yeah. God, but, I hate Hulk Hogan. But Brett notes that they're the two biggest entities in wrestling, but for some reason they've never had a match. Gene then throws out the idea of Kevin Nash. That match has happened a couple times. Yes. And Brett notes while Nash has the pencil, he can be the eraser. I liked that. And then Gene tosses out the idea of Goldberg. And this is where I feel like they're actually building to something. Because... Mm. Bret Hart says that, yeah, you've kind of been like hand-picked opponents for a while. You know, it's a lot of fucking nothing guys. For and, Goldberg, yeah. Yeah, I remember we were watching the documentary on the streak and Kevin Nash like, he's like, he faced Hugh Morris like 10 times. Shut up, Kevin Nash. 
Bret Hart says that Goldberg hasn't faced any real competition and says he could beat Goldberg in five minutes. Five minutes. And that's pretty much the main takeaway. So it's, it seems like they're setting up Hart and Goldberg. Oh my god, you can call that match the heart of gold. If I could throw it a commercial, I would. Hey! Just like Gene does here. So after that, we get a interesting Nitro Girl segment. This is my favorite Nitro Girl segment to date. It's probably mine, too. Because the Nitro Girls come out dressed as different wrestlers, including Ric Flair, Raven, Hulk Hogan, Buff Bagwell, Conan, and for some reason, Sonny Ono, who, unfortunately, I think that was the one Asian Nitro Girl. I think unfortunately, they... I think that's why. Yeah. When I put that together, I was like, oh, that's... I did Ugh. I did get a kick out of um, Spice was dressed as Ric Flair <laughs> and started like take, taking the clothes off and strutting. She did the walk. I thought that was really great. This was such a wonderful light moment in this show that like really brought the energy back. So honestly, I would have rather seen them do a six-man tag than the uh, next match we have up. Ooh, I want to see that match. I would love to see the Nitro Girls in a tag match. See, I don't think any of them are wrestlers i guess not but still wouldn't that be so fun that doesn't matter in wwe they at least train a bit i honestly i don't think they even are remotely trained wrestlers because mm. that's not what they're hired to do like no, they're hired to be dancers i mean i'd rather see that match than this next one this is isn't this the exact match that i complained about last episode no last episode i think it was flipped i think it was or stevie ray versus horace horace I don't know. It was something with this feud, and it was stupid. Yeah, and they're, ro- they're just rotating Horace Hogan, Vincent, and Stevie Wright. Ugh. Although now he's just Horace. They, they've dropped the Hogan surname. Except for when Vincent's like, I am the boss, you are the nephew, boss, nephew, boss, nephew. That's the all the preface we get for this match. Yeah, because the music hits, and Horace comes out, and then the music doesn't even reset, and Vincent comes out. It just <laughs> keeps going. Track. Then we get the boss nephew bit. And Horace works over Vincent for most of this match. He hits like 10 fucking big boots. I wasn't paying that much attention. I don't know why this is a match. I hate it. I don't like it. I don't want it to happen anymore. Yeah, commentary takes the time to talk about power corrupting people like it's the fucking one ring or something. (laughs) Yeah, they were like, there's nothing wrong with a power hungry president. I'm like, "Mm," screams internally. So Stevie Ray then comes down. And it's just kind of observing, and the finish of this match is Stevie Ray, quote-unquote, pushes Horace into a small package from Vincent. He literally tapped him on the ass, and it was like, It was not a push. It was like a, it could be like a pat on the shoulder, like, hey, you're doing great, bud, keep going. Like, that was the amount of pressure that was put into this, quote-unquote, push. Yeah, so Vincent wins, somehow, like, Jesus Mm. fucking winning a match. And then Horace and Stevie Ray just beat him down. And then Brian Adams appears. Adams. The the country singer. Who cares? Brian Adams comes down and attacks Horace. And then him and Stevie Ray argue. Good match. And break. It was not a good match. No, it was fucking stupid. And I just like to pretend that if I don't pay it attention... This story didn't happen. Well, I was actually wondering. I'm like, what the? where the fuck is the rest of the B team? I don't know. That's a good question. Remember like, when there was so many NWOs? Yeah. And now it's just like, it's three these three lads trying to figure out who's going to be the leader. And it's like... Does it's, it matter? It's only the three of you and you all hate each other. Break up. And like Scott Norton's still around. Um, Brian Adams. 
Uh, I'm out. You kicked out Mr. Perfect and Barry Windham. Yeah. So this fucking feud's never going to end until the group just disbands, I'm guessing. All right, moving on, because there's no reason to give this more breath. No. We then get the random lottery drawing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Gene is in the ring with the four horsemen and J.J. Dillon. And then most of them, a bunch of the wrestlers are around the pool on the edge. Not everyone. I was mildly surprised no drunk dudes pushed any of the wrestlers into the pool. Because they that were standing the right by the time. edge. Yeah. So they pull out the number 23 and they're looking around the, uh, the, you know, the arena to see who has number 23. It cuts to backstage and apparently like El Dandy has the number 23, but his who, arm's in a sling. Who are you to doubt El Dandy? I know. I shouldn't have doubted him. And he hands that number to Rey Mysterio. He doesn't really hand it to him. Ray is just like, give it to me. No, no, no. It's, it, it was, was it mutual? Yeah, it was a... Del Danny's a face, so it's like, here, take this. Okay. I couldn't really tell if it was, like, mutual or if El Danny was like, no, 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 you shouldn't do this, Ray. Like, don't do this. So, two things on this. One, I feel like they drew, like, an actual number because it, it didn't feel fixed. And they were going around for so long, I think they were then writing the number on a piece of paper for them to use. For sure. Also, it wasn't like they had a little corresponding ball. They all had large, like, folded in half pieces of printer paper yeah. that had the number on so it. So some producer saw him pick 23, grabbed a big Sharpie, and wrote the yep. numbers 2-3 on this paper and handed it to El Dandy. Yep. Yeah. I also just realized I miss any sort of chance to make a Jim Carrey number 23 joke here. Is that a joke? There's a movie called The Number 23. It's fucking terrible. Oh, I haven't seen it. So, Rey Mysterio has the number, and he comes out, and it's like, yep, I get the shot. And Flair is kind of pissed and was like, I told you cruiserweight. It's like, you know, Rey's not in this. Rey is a cruiserweight. Yeah, it's just not great batter. Not great batter. Yeah, just a really awkward kind of ending to the segment. Again, yeah, just really a theme with this of just segments just kind of ending. Yeah. I mean, that's not new for WCW. They don't know how to end things. They don't know how to transition. Like, it's not new. Yeah. it's it, A lot of these segments ending feels like the equivalent of a kid in like a, like a school pageant singing his song and then awkwardly running off stage. Yeah. Just that, I, I am now done. Goodbye. <laughs> to like polite applause. We then get a Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit like hype package. Just like, look how fucking great this team is. Hey. And Which is cool. Yeah. Next up, we get Raven versus Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko for the tag titles, I guess. I guess. <laughs> if Raven wins, I don't know who his fucking partner is going to be. But then again, we had potentially Judy Bagwell as a tag champion. True. Even though it was Kenny Chaos. I'm still unclear about that. <laughs> and I forever will be. Somebody call up Judy Bagwell. You know, n- noble, noble baby faces, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit attack Raven while he's getting in the ring. And then they just double team him a bunch in the ring. And we're like, oh, it's like this type of kind of tag match. Yeah, I turned to Nick and I was like, I thought it was a tag match. But he's like, no, I guess it's a handicap. So everyone can be in the ring. Well, we've mm-hmm. talked about this. There are like tornado tag matches yeah. where everyone's, you know, you don't have to do tags. But after like two minutes of them just beating down Raven, it's like, all right, now Dean's going to go to the apron. Yeah, there were a lot of like half-hearted attempts by the ref Randy Anderson to get the unofficial per- person out of the ring. But they were so half-hearted that, like, even if I was in the ring, I wouldn't listen. Yeah, He was just kind of, like, waving his arm a little bit. Yeah, even calling them attempts is generous. Yeah. So, Dean gets Raven in the Texas Cloverleaf after they beat him down for a while. 
But Raven refuses to tap and is yelling like, no, no. I have never heard his voice be that loud before. He was really screaming. So Dean then just drops the hold, tags in Benoit, and Benoit locks in the crossface. But he Raven, screams again. Yeah, Raven refuses to tap and is yelling. So Benoit breaks it up and then double snot rockets him. To which commentary, I think it was Tony, Tony Schiavone. Tony or Mike. Was like, okay, let's just blow our nose on him. Benoit tries to get Raven up for like a double team powerbomb maneuver, but it really struggles to. And Dean manages to kind of help him out a little bit. It was like, oh, no. They hit this kind of, you know, diving clothesline powerbomb kind of thing. And all of a sudden, Perry Saturn comes down. Yes, scary Perry Saturn. Ooh, we should call him Scary Perry. I thought you were going to say Scary Saturn. Let's do that. Scary Saturn. (laughs) Scary Saturn comes down. And Benoit's like, I know what you're trying to do, but this is horseman business. And then Scary Saturn just attacks him. And apparently this is fine. He's wearing a leather corset dress with um, face makeup that is equivalent to... Cheap mascara running down your face when you're crying. Yeah, I mean it's pretty, and bright green contacts. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty much the same as uncensored. I didn't I didn't notice the like eye makeup before. I uncensored. think it is a little more elaborate here. It was it was scary. Like he came down the the ramp. I was like ah. So apparently, Scary Saturn is now fucking Raven's partner. Apparently, this is now a tag but team. This match. is fine. Like Randy Anderson has no issue with this. It's fine. It's not interference. It's- yeah, this is also where we notice Randy Anderson's fucking quickest counts in the <sighs> world, and he's not even like doing it as a gimmick. It's just like, yep, this is how I count. Just boop, boop. Yeah. So commentary does mention that Saturn was part of Raven's flock, so they do have a bit of history. I guess. But once he comes down after like an initial bit of offense, he just gets worked over for like the rest of the fucking yeah. match. Benoit then misses a diving headbutt, continuing our theme of missed diving moves, and he manages to make the tag to Raven. I'm like, oh, I guess... I guess it's a tag match. Yeah. I guess we have to tag now. Bit of awkward brawling as uh, Saturn then gets Benoit in the rings of Saturn. Just a note here, scary Saturn, not the legal man. No. Dean goes to grab for the belt and is going to get himself DQ'd, but Raven stops him and then manages to get a belt of his own. And they go in the ring, and in order to stop Dean, Raven hits Dean with the belt, and the ref calls for the bell. That's the DQ, not, you know, the illegal man, not the fact that Perry Saturn is not in this match, or the tag's not worked. Like, yeah. Yeah. What? But because Benoit was in a submission move, Saturn and Raven think they've won and celebrate with the titles. The ref's like, no, 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 no. Winner by DQ. Yeah. The horseman. I think this was a heel turn for... Benoit and Malenko, too? I mean, they're aligned with Ric Flair, who's they a heel. They were already kind of a heel. I mean, like, they were going down that path. Yeah, I mean, like, attacking at the, like, you know, before the bell, just totally willing to do this handicap match, and that was the weird thing. No one felt it was weird that it was two-on-one. No, no one had an issue with but it. But they definitely had some heel manners here. Like, definitely, like, the, the double snot rocket. I know he does the that as a face, but it's like... The immediate double-teaming at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the matches? I know it was... A, it was it was hard to follow. Hastily put together, but... I didn't love it. I thought it... Yeah, I didn't love it either, but it was better than a lot of the stuff that's been on here. So far, yeah. The fact that Saturn just comes down is like, yep, it's his partner now. Yeah, so I guess they're tag team champs now. Well, they're not, because they didn't... Well, tag team partners. I guess. Whatever. Oh, man. This is such a nothing episode. I know. It's. I feel like we're breezing through it, because... 
after this, we get the clip from Thunder of Ric Flair stripping Scott Hall at the U.S. title. Mm-hmm. We talked all about this. Yeah, the finals will be at Spring Stampede. Uh, the only thing I think I didn't mention was that Meng beat Bam Bam Bigelow on Thunder. That's who he faced in the opening mm. round. And I think in that recap, you said, like, I don't think that Bam Bam Bigelow's shoulder is down. I don't think that he actually won. Yeah. To which I said, are you going to tell Meng that he didn't actually win? Nope. No, I'm good. Yeah. You can tell him. <laughs> I'm good. Let's let him win. Well, speaking of scary men, next up we have Scott Steiner versus Chris Jericho in another first round kind of matchup for that tournament. Right. While Steiner's coming out, Mike Tanay plugs the WCW hotline where they says they'll give you some like updates on Sting and Randy Savage. Yeah, that's a good way to get people to spend a dollar ninety nine a minute. Do you want to know where these two big names are? Call us and we might tell you if you keep. I think they're on both the back soon. Oh really? Yeah. We get a Scott Steiner promo. He is the best at sex. Imagine the perfect man with a perfect body. Now open your eyes and see that man is me. Basically, that's what he said. I don't think it was. A, I think it was. Don't imagine the man is me. The man is me. <laughs> so Chris Jericho then comes out wearing a sash, saying something in Japanese, and he never acknowledges it. Yep, the commentary is like, "Oh, you know, I'm sure he'll grab a mic and tell us." And he just doesn't. So, did you ever figure it out? I know you were doing no, Google. So. I not a clue. Oh, I, I really I, do hope it says something snarky. I, yeah, I don't speak Japanese, and my keyboard doesn't have those characters, so I literally can't... Yeah, there's no way for us to translate it. I know. I was joking. I'm like, his contract's up soon. It's, some, it's just say like, hire me. <laughs> hire me, New Japan. <laughs> so this match is nothing special, but it's pretty good. It's pretty much what you'd expect from these two. Exactly. That's what I said. It was no, pretty standard. Yeah, there's no real notable spots. It was no. very... It was hard hitting, though. There were a couple, like, hard slams and hard hits. Yeah, this is another one of those matches where every now and again you see that, like, Steiner can be quick and mm-hmm. can bump when he wants to. Just feel he like, doesn't want to. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really have nothing for this. Steiner wins with the Steiner recliner. Yeah. Not bad. Not memorable. That's a lot, a lot of this. Yep. Yeah, it was fine. And no Ralphus again this week. I think, I think that was their breakup. Because Jericho's gone in, like... Two weeks, three weeks. I'm it's be sad about that. Yeah, maybe I should wear my hair in a floof for his last, his last day. But don't fear, Ralphus will eventually reappear. Yeah, so Jericho may be gone, but Ralphus isn't. Yes, Ralphus will what? be repackaged with somebody else. Oh God! Re- not only repackaged, he'll be placed somebody else. Repackaged implies he's gonna have like a different gimmick. He's still gonna be fucking. He's Ralphus. just repaired up. Yeah. Okay. Still, like what? <laughs> I think you'll like who he ends up with, but I'm not sure. Okay, now I'm intrigued. I don't want to know. I want to be surprised. I have, but I have no idea when that happens either. <laughs> Good. So one week, Ralphus will show up again, and we'll be like, "Oh my god, it's Ralphus!" So we're on to our main event. Jesus, this uh, is going to be a short episode for yeah, us. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> main event is Ric Flair versus Rey Mysterio for the WCW title. When Rey's coming out, Tony says that Rey may be the hottest wrestler in the world right now. And I'm like, the guy who lost in five minutes on pay-per-view two weeks ago? He's the hottest wrestler in the world, not even, yeah. not even two weeks ago, eight days ago. And yeah. during the Michael Buffer entrance, it's like, he beat Bam Bam Bigelow, Scott Norton, and Kevin Nash. And I'm like, it's not exactly a killer's row, guys. No. So you beat Kevin Nash, that's something. Okay. Be- be- beating Kevin Nash is an accomplishment. You beat Scott Norton, who hasn't been on TV in about a month, it feels yeah. like, and you know is part of the B-team. And then Bam Bam Bigelow, who on Thunder lost in the opening round of the U.S. title tournament. It's like, 
Yeah, it's that it's not really much. Yeah, no. There was a pretty significant firework malfunction, though. Yes, I was out of the room for this, and I heard a crap... T- it's for Ric Flair, who comes yeah. out next. And I hear it from the other room, and I'm like, that's a fuck ton of fireworks. And apparently you were like, no, 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 we didn't see, like, any of them. We got very few fireworks. It's just, it was kind of weird. So, I believe this is Rey Mysterio's first chance at the WCW title. Oh. I don't know how many he'll get, but... I just don't like anything about Rey Mysterio's new look, new song, new... Aesthetic. I just. It's, it's not no, Rey Mysterio. It's no who's that jumping out the sky. R E Y Mysterio. Here we go. So the story of the early part of this match is that Flair is like not treating Ray as any sort of a threat. We did get a Flair flop, which I guess you oh hadn't seen God. before because you were I like, what seen, the fuck was that? I've seen some kind of Flair flop, I think, but not so dramatic as this because I didn't see Ray, I didn't see Ray hit him all that much. Maybe like one hit, not very hard, and then he just like. Sweeps his own leg out from under himself and just flops back. Yep. What just happened? <laughs> Looks like a cartoon character. So Ray gets tossed to the outside and Arn tries to attack him, but Ray counters it and knocks down Arn. Obviously, Arn wasn't going to get any power over Ray. Is it because he didn't have the tire on? He arm? didn't have the tire on. He was completely unarmed. Where was the tire on? <laughs> he didn't want to kill the guy. <laughs> back in the ring, a very large Ric Flair sucks chant starts. And it gets muted almost immediately. But muted to the point where, like, they muted every. Yeah, because, like, Ray gets slammed on the mat and there's no noise. It was so weird. Which, yeah, I mean, one, it was absolutely weird. Two, I'm like, are you doing it because it's saying sucks? Because they bleeped it earlier. Are they trying to be G? Like. I don't know. I just wrote weird Rick Reigns over here. Oh. Because, like, I've, I've definitely heard them mute the mics in WWE TV, but I don't feel like it's ever. All of the mics. I feel like it's a section of mics. It's all the crowd mics. All the crowd mics. Fair, they don't. They don't mute don't, the one that's over the ring. I never really noticed. I don't think anybody really noticed them too much until Roman Reigns was getting a big face push. <laughs> oh, Roman. The problem is he's hunky. He's doing great now. Is he? Do people like him? Are we still tired of him? No. It's the, it, he needed a character change, and then he got it, and it's like, oh. Oh, true. He's much better as a heel. Yeah, it's like you're being a bastard heel. So it's like, yeah, he's much I, better. I hate you because of your character, not because of what you stand for. <laughs> anyway, this. But these two in this match, like, don't have chemistry. No, they really don't. They have such different wrestling styles that for some wrestlers, it's good to go up against someone who's really different from you. It gives, like, a different kind of tension or a different kind of, like, different kind of match. This was very much like Ric Flair is going to do what Ric Flair does and Ray is going to try to adhere to it, but he's small and he is a high-flying, whippy kind of guy. He doesn't do the Ric Flair stuff. Yeah, there's a couple attempts at, like, a spinning heel kick, which just, like, completely whiff, like, a couple times. And it's like, yeah. what the fuck? I don't think... Ric Flair was not willing to play along in this match. Ray does hit a springboard face buster, which I think, like, also spikes Ric Flair's head. And then... Finish of the match, he hits a top rope Frankensteiner and goes for the pin. But Arn pulls the referee out, who was Charles Robinson. Mm-hmm. And Robinson calls for a DQ, so Flair retains. Which is just annoying. Yeah, just a cheap kind of finish there at the end. That being said, you have pointed out in our watching of wrestling, like why don't more heel teams do that? Like Why don't they just DQ the match so that they retain and don't have to wrestle? Yeah. And they did it in this one, so I'm like, I'll give them credit for that. I don't like being right here. <laughs> well. So Flair's on the outside. Ray uh, drop kicks Flair over the railing and Rick goes into the pool. Someone went swimming! 
with about 12 seconds left. Because he goes in, it's like splashes, takes two steps, and it's like, and all right, it. good night, everybody. I'm just happy that somebody went in the pool. I thought there were going to be more people in the pool. I really thought. I, I, I think my prediction was that Kevin Nash was going to press slam Rey Mysterio from <laughs> the ring into the pool. That would have been fun. Or, like, if this had been a 2006 D- Divas match, someone would have gotten stripped and then thrown in the pool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, no, actually, if it had been a 2006 Divas match, they would have just wrestled in the pool. Yeah. And would have been, it would have been, like, a drown-her-to-death match. <laughs> the whole NWO, Miss NWO contest, that would have just been in the pool. Yeah, this was just... The girls would have wrestled each other. Yeah, this was just a sloppy, disappointing match. Yeah. It's just a sloppy, disappointing Nitro. Jesus. <laughs> and it could have been so cool because they had a cool venue and cool, like, ideas for it, and it just... Nothing happened. Yeah, so this is the third annual spring break. Apparently they come here every year. And they will continue to do it through the uh, the end of Nitro because the last Nitro ever is at this venue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we are two years from that. I don't, I don't know the full math on it, but we have either 104 or 105 more Nitros. You have to stop saying the number. Because when you say it like that, I want to quit. No, it'll be great. We're not even at Vince Russo yet. I okay. I've said it before. I am excited about the Vince Russo era. Yeah, because it'll be stupid. That was kind of the issue with his Nitro. Is there wasn't anything to be outraged with either. It was just be bored. It was just boring. Yeah, that's why we had to watch it in two settings. Because like, say what you will about David Flair in a hotel room with with Denise Robinson, I lost my mind about it. <laughs> I talked about it longer than I talked about fucking Horace versus Vincent. Oh my god. Oh god. I I'm I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, we didn't get any. We didn't really have a lot of the fun stuff. Like, we, there was no who's that Pokemon for this. No, hey, but hey, next week DDP is going to be back. Yay! Anyway, so should we do our MVP best bit? Oh God, I have a best bit. I don't know if I have an MVP. I'm wondering if our best bit's the same best bit. Oh, I, well, I, I'm kind of assuming your best bit is that Nitro Girl. Segment. Yeah, that is 100 my best bit. No, I gave my best bit to uh, Hoovy and Vampiro. I thought it was a pretty good match. I and I, maybe it's a little bit out of spite too, because that boring chant just pissed me off. I'm like, <laughs> guys, this this isn't. I know you. I know you don't know who Vampiro is, but that doesn't make the match boring. Right. That's fair. Oh God, MVP. So I gave my MVP to Rey Mysterio just because he had a very like a big showing in this episode. Like he had a lot to do. I don't think that he did well with all of it, but like I just like seeing Rey Mysterio, and he wasn't terrible in the last match it just wasn't a good match i don't necessarily think it was his fault i'm looking through my notes it's hard <laughs> finding an mvp is hard Ugh. oh good. seriously i'm i'm struggling so much uh, you gotta pick somebody you know what i'm gonna uh i'm gonna i'm gonna give mine to scott steiner for be, at least being consistent. Because say what you will, I, I knew what to expect from him and I got it. I was not at all disappointed from my Scott Steiner appearance. He he cut the I'm the best at sex promo. He put on a decent match. Fuck all it. Right. I, 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 okay. it's, listen, it's Scott Steiner or it's Tori Wilson for looking hot. Oh my God. Because Tori Wilson's also had a lot of great performances. I don't even know if she talked on this one. She did not. At least not Mike talked. Ricky Rackman was all over the place. No. I'm not giving it. To oh god! All right, well that's that. El Dandy for giving Ray the title shot <laughs> for being a good guy. Oh god, this was miserable. Okay, well that was this 
I'm so glad you have so much fun recording these with me. <laughs> I have fun recording it. Just, I feel similar as I did for the Super Brawl episode. Yeah. Get out of here. Let's just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Hopefully next week's better. DDP's back, though. Yeah, ne- next week isn't a weird gimmick Nitro. And uh, last... That's not our next episode, though. Well, it's not our next episode. You are correct. Next episode will be WrestleMania 15. Yeah, because that is the Sunday after this Nitro. And then after that, we will have the March 29th Monday Nitro with the return of DDP and the final appearance of that Nitro set. Oh, yeah, because they get a new set. Yeah. Ooh, that'll be interesting. Well, cool. We got some good stuff coming out. Yeah, and it sounds like Sting and Randy Savage are coming back eventually. Fingers crossed. It's... I'm optimistic about the future. (laughs) Despite this episode, I think... And, and, you know, the general fact that this company dies in two years. Right. (laughs) Spoilers. I think things can go up a little bit. Okay. We'll, We'll see. Call me a fool, but I'm optimistic. Well, until uh, you see us at WrestleMania 15, you can follow us on Twitter at Butts in the Pod and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Emily, any closing thoughts? I'm hungry. Let's go make dinner. Not a bad podcast, though. Short.